Hi, this is Cable Brandon Sage, and you are listening to Cable Unplugged. And welcome back for episode three recap of Survivor, the Edge of Extinction. And on the line I have Julian. He's back. Hello, Cable. He's having a very Kiwi Edge of Extinction. Um, yeah, I, I sort of, I think I fumbled over my words again there. Oh, and, we'll just uh, be Kiwis Brew for the rest of the podcast, eh? Yeah, eh, Brew. Um, across the Dutch, we'll just do the, um, yeah. the Kiwi Survivor. Uh, okay, I'm done. Can you do Nicaragua? <laughs> uh, Nicaragua. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah, the Kiwi. I'm sad. I mean, I won't start getting onto a Survivor New Zealand tangent, but um, God bless them. Loved, loved the, their two seasons. All right, well, where do you want to go to first in this episode? Because there's a few where do we things start? to talk about. Yeah. yeah, it was a good episode. I'll just say that to start with. Like, I, I'm really loving this season and... I'm just, I'm loving, um, like, there's still so much we don't know, but I think people just have to chill out about that. Like, there's a lot of characters and a lot of relationships that we don't really know where people stand with each other, who's really with who. We even saw that um, with Manu because they, like, sent someone home that we really didn't expect to be sent home. So there's so much we don't know. But what we're seeing and the episodes that we've seen so far are really found them quite enjoyable and even the premiere which a lot of people were a bit meh on i still thought it was a fairly solid enjoyable episode so yeah what did you think no i still enjoyed it i mean i am seeing stuff online that people are a bit like "Mm, a bit underwhelmed with the season so far or you know not absolutely loving it but not hating it either but yeah look i'm i'm enjoying it Uh, i like seeing david back i like seeing Kelly Wentworth back and there's definitely some interesting characters but oh, look I can totally understand where some people are coming from that it's not you know su- potentially super exciting or su- super memorable at this stage but yeah I mean I'm sure it'll you'll know, have some good moments down the uh, down the stretch so and I think you just have to um, appreciate it for what it is so far because you can't like have everything so action-packed you know like the same tribe's gone three weeks in a row like but what we've seen I think we've seen kind of enjoyable stuff. I think where people are getting whingy and frustrated is there's still so many people on the other tribe that we haven't seen yet. And look, that's just how it goes sometimes. Like you can't have everything. It's only an hour of TV. You know, we've got Extinction Island uh, this time as well. So that's going to take some screen time. People say it takes up heaps, but it really doesn't. Yeah, Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. There's two challenges that takes up a bit of time too. But I don't know. I find it really enjoyable. Yeah, we'll get back to uh, the Karma Tribe a little bit later, but I, I did find it interesting. This is sort of the first episode where we got a bit better uh, breakdown of the strategy or, or the alliances on that side too. Like we had yeah. in the first two weeks, apart from the mentions of maybe Aubrey being a first boot or Joe and, and just getting rid, rid of the returnees, I found it interesting, um, you know, Victoria and Ron talking about the six and stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of cool to finally get a little bit of insight there. Um, yes, but look, definitely. I know myself personally and, and in a lot of other podcasts that talk about Survivor, you normally go to the who's booted out first. But I'm going to do it a little yeah. bit different. I think we'll try and go in order of what happened in the episode because I think that's a good lead up to who got booted out too because I think it did change. And I think I'm still a bit shocked at who went and why and how it all sort of unfolded. So I think we probably need to go in order, if that's all right. Absolutely. And there was, a, I think that's good. And there was a lot, um, I was shocked too. And there's a lot I think we didn't see. So that's where we can try and piece together maybe what we didn't see and, and theorize a little bit because you only get what you get. And so you have to try and think, well, maybe how did, why was Chris there, their, their solution in the end? Because I never saw that coming. So, yeah, let's do it that way. Let's okay, see. so the first thing we did see in the episode, um, and I really like this as well, and I think I'm getting a vibe that this is the way it's going to pan out for the rest of well, the majority of the season is the first scene we're going to see is Extinction Island and whether someone goes there or not and what's happening there. So how do you find Keith arriving at uh, Extinction Island and, and, and how it all panned out? Um, look, I liked it. I, I, I thought I was glad they just got straight to it. Um, yes, he was going. I didn't like the, love the cliffhanger last week. Um, but again, like cool, cool that um, of all the people that that Reem ends up um, being reunited with, it's Keith who they kind of had a bit of a relationship. And so I liked that. I thought that was interesting. Here she is kind of 
she seems pretty over it and I don't think she's just sort of playing up to the camera. I do think it's really, really tough. Like she's, she, she hasn't bloody eaten in, in like what? Three days. Three days. Yeah. Um, certainly now they're, they're getting, and I thought that was really cool. I like the cinematography. I think it's a really cool yeah. looking Island. Love the steps. I thought that was really cool. It reminded me back in season 14 where Earl, Yes. I know this was quite different, yeah. but he climbed to the top of the um, the mountain just for views. And I just love those sweeping scenes where you get the whole scope of everything. I think it's cool when they go inland a bit off the beach and you get to see them uh, exploring a little bit. And um, I don't know, like, it's cool cool that they have to work for everything on Extinction Island. I hope we get to see a few more little um, interesting things like that. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed what we got. I, I mean, apart from being voted out, which is obviously not best case scenario for these two players, surely these two be being reunited or, or Keith getting voted out is the best case scenario for Reem. Like yeah, said, I think I'm... it gives her... Well, I mean, she obviously stoked to have company because she wouldn't have known um, necessarily if everyone... I mean, I bet she probably could have guessed that everyone's going to get the same option to go to Extinction Island like she did. But she didn't know for sure, I'm guessing. And then she wouldn't know if they would definitely be coming. So she's sitting there waiting how long till till I get some company. So it's nice for her and it's kind of nice that it's someone that she likes. Yes. Um, yeah, and so they can support each other because there's going to be a lot of, like, therapy, I think, going on, kind of like we saw on, um, uh, what was the other island? Redemption Island, you know. They, they get voted out. They all, you know chew the fat and, um, yeah, basically support each other. Um, so, yeah, I hope, I hope we get to see some good stuff. And how, was, how funny was it that when they got the rice, there was that excitement of, oh, we got rice, and then on further inspection, it was kind of like, oh, my God, it's not much rice. <laughs> yeah, did, did they actually show how much it was? Because I nah. love the fact that they're not getting much, but it's, um, no, you couldn't... it must be sweet fuck all, excuse my French, yeah. but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely. Well, we definitely didn't see it, but um, it was funny that Keith. It looked like Keith was looking into the bag or the basket first, and he's like, "Yeah, rice." And then, uh, yeah, a couple of seconds later, you see Reem sort of looking in the basket on the ground and maybe, <laughs> maybe being op- uh, opening the lid a bit further. I'm not too sure, but realizing it's not a lot of rice, um, and obviously not liking the idea of having to go there every day to get food. Um, uh, yeah, I love it. I do love it. It's good to see. Like, obviously, people don't want to see the contestants suffer too much, but I do like it when they, you know, have to, yeah, make things, you know, tough for them a little bit. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's called Edge of Extinction for a reason. And, and if they're going to go with that, yeah, like, make it properly tough. And I, I hope they extend the theme of, you know, toughness to other ways other than just food and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it'd be interesting. When I saw those bottles when they got the maps, I thought that was pretty cool. But, uh, I mean, did you have any idea of what that might be to start off with? Or No, I um, I sort of thought maybe it was I, – I got a bit of Ghost Island flashbacks. Like, you know, one person – I'm glad it wasn't just a chance to get another advantage or uh, steal a vote because – yeah, like they're all, it's not really relevant, I suppose, because they're not coming back to the game for quite a while, presum- presumably. So, um, yeah, like, but I, it sort of reminded me when I first saw those two bottles, like um, a little game like they used to have on, on um, Ghost Island. And, uh, yeah, I thought the map idea was cool. I hope it'd be cool if there's, I mean, I don't know what's on the island, but it'd be cool if there's other little areas that they get to discover um, throughout the, the week. So I, I don't know if that's possible based on the geography or anything like that. But, yeah, I liked it. All right. So I guess the other in, big thing that happened in the episode was uh, there was a lot of talk, especially with Victoria and Ron, that we saw on screen about the six of the uh, Karma tribe. Yes. Uh, and, and in my head, I didn't even realise that there was actually nine players for a second. And... Uh, forgot that uh, Aurora is... Oh, good point. My, yeah. my so wit- that, she wasn't included in yeah. the six. So that, that was a bit disappointing because uh, obviously she was my winner pick. Um, so she seems to be close to and or tied to Joe and Aubrey. And so Ron and Victoria are talking about you know, what the next sort of move is, how they're feeling about things, all that sort of stuff. And you know, if they do lose a challenge, what, what are they sort of going to do? So... Um, 
that was really interesting. Um, and then I love the shot where, again, uh, I think someone did put up on Twitter or something that I saw, but I had to love as well. Like, uh, and look, I know they do these great, not tricks, but great editing things. They've been doing it for years, but this one was, they nailed it where you have Victoria and Ron talking. Then there's a shot of Joe oh. and the rocks. And then of course, <laughs> What you didn't know, and then obviously the next shot is that Joe is actually right there, not further away. That normally would be the case that the person they're talking about and you see a shot of the person's quite a distance away. And the fact that Joe just <laughs> happens to be there is quite funny. Um, oh, my God. Did your heart kind of like – it was kind of like <laughs> I was there on the beach and I was caught bitching about someone they overheard. Like I had that feeling like it was me and it was – Really good the way they shot it. And um, we have kind of seen this before, but not so well done for ages at least. And I really thought that was like, oh, <laughs> busted. And, and the backpedaling and the awkwardness, I think they probably have a bit of a with the music sort of noise or, or some yeah. sort of sound effect. <laughs> like, But it was awesome. And, um, yeah, like Joe played it pretty good for what he is. Like he kind of was just calm. And I liked what he said actually, like, I'm on the Joe train more like I'm real off Aubrey and I love the fact that they're kind of like just this season. I love the fact that the newbies are just saying, you know, they've had their shot. I think that's great to see because too often these returnees just go so far and they just dominate the storylines. And that's the criticism that we keep hearing, you know, like we see these newbies, but only from their perspective of the returnees, like what do they think about this person? And you know what? I thought um, I won't jump around too much, but, I really like Wentworth and David more than the other two, but I wasn't loving – oh, did you see Wentworth's sort of facials this this episode? She just looks so um, harsh and, like, she's kind of getting a bit of a villain vibe. Like, yeah. I think just her facial was looked so cranky and when, when he was going on about the chickens, she just seemed so angry the whole time, like just real angry kind of expressions on her face. And We'll hold that thought. We'll come back to that because there's, a, yes. there's some other funny stuff – was something I noticed, and I'm sure there's other fans that noticed it. I haven't seen it online yet. I, to be honest, I haven't totally scoured uh, the online community. No, uh, neither for that feedback. Much. But there was a funny moment as soon as I saw it on TV last night. I sort of paused it, and then I was telling my wife about it, and went back to it. And I just thought it was so so funny. It was very, again, if you're a super fan of the show, you'll pick it. But I think it was still a very subtle sort of. Uh, thing that I think was obviously there in the episode, but it was definitely, they made sure it was in there. The editors made sure it was in there for the, the super fans of the show, but we'll come back to that. Yes. Um, so obviously going back to that discussion, um, did you think, so I got the impression or my, my feeling was Joe did hear them sort of talking and yes. maybe Joe acted dumb about it and was kind of seeing, you know, what, I don't know, maybe just testing them a little bit. Maybe Yeah, just saying... I can't remember what the words were, but he was kind of like, what's that, what's that about me and Aubrey or, or something? He's like, oh, obviously, you know, we know we're on the bottom. So he was kind of just like being cool, like because getting angry at them for talking about them not going to work because that's just going to, you know, he knows he's on the bottom. So he's kind of like, he wasn't just, you know, you could react badly and be like, why are you talking about me behind my back? But it's fucking Survivor, you know. So, like, obviously. So, he's kind of just like, you know, like, we're, we're here to – we know we're on the bottom. And he kind of just being – you're getting angry is not going to do anything or or, or challenging them. So, he's, he kind of like, look, I know, sort of, we want to help you win. And I think that's sort of the best way. And then he went to, you know, Aurora and Aubrey and said, look, I've got real weird vibes. Like, so it seems like those three know, obviously, that they are. Um, and it's unfortunate for Aurora, but I don't think it would probably matter too much with the switch next week mm. that she um, she obviously was a Joe fan, and that's pretty clear to everyone else. And so by association, it seems, uh, yeah, she uh, is on the bottom. Which then led us into a frantic Aubrey doing almost like a Tony Vlacos and, and just running all over the jungle like like a crazy person looking for an idol. Um, yes, and... we got a lot of snippets of her in different um, clothes, so we can assume that's over a few different days. And then there was um, also the flashbacks to, or did you notice how were flashbacks? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, they flashback the... to game changes and obviously uh, go, go wrong of her searching yeah, for an idol. Yeah, that's interesting. They, they did that, um, I think, with Wentworth too. Yes. Earlier in the season, when they showed her grabbing the idol at the challenge, 
and something else from and her I, season. Yeah, and I, I, the the idol under the um, under the, the shelter. Yeah, under the shelter. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I don't know what your thoughts about Aubrey uh, Cable, but they were just talking about how they've had their second shot. You know, like the play, they've had two shots already. The six were saying, you know, it's our time to shine and blah blah blah. And I totally agree with that from their perspective. And then we get this gratuitous scene of Aubrey. She just comes across, I don't know, I'm just not loving her. And and that's just the way I'm reacting to her. I'm sure people have so many different feelings. But when she starts crying, she's like, I, I've wanted this for so long. I was like, uh, I, she's like, I want this survivor experience. I was like, oh, stop laying it on. Like, it just makes me cringe a bit because she's, she's gotten so far. She's got to have all these other experiences. And now she's got an idol, which means she's definitely going to probably go pretty far in this game. I just... I've seen enough of her, and I, I wouldn't mind if she's just voted out. To be honest, I'm, yeah, I'm not loving, loving having to see sort of that. <laughs> yeah, what, I, what were your thoughts about um, being the idol? It's harsh because I, I, I kind of have. I wouldn't say it's a love hate relationship with Aubrey, but I'm not. Again, I'm not a super fan of Aubrey, but I do like her. I like her sense of humor, and so and, and also maybe it's, it's it's a weird one because. Maybe I like her a lot more outside of the game when I hear her on a podcast yes, like with Rob yeah. or her tweets and stuff. She's I a bit think... whingy because even getting the idol to me, she kind of whinged, said it in a way that like, I haven't ever had an idol. And it's like, I don't know. I just find her a little bit victim-y. And maybe that's just the way I'm reading her. But um, in I didn't enjoy her in Game Changers. Like, I'm on the bottom, like, poor me. Like, And I know she was. It's But like... I, I don't know. I find her come across a bit whiny. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, look, I, I get that too. And, and like I said, I think if I met her in the street or she came to Melbourne and she was at a Survivor event, she'd be awesome. And I know people would get around her and, and I would get along with her, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah I, I, I 100% agree with I, that too. I, I just think, yeah, in game, I'm, I'm not too sure. It's, it's not even entitled. I, 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 it's hard I, to quite put your finger yeah. on why. I think I've just maybe it's a little bit of overexposure yeah. from seeing and, her yeah, absolutely. go so deep in two games quite recently, and um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, and, and I have to agree with that too. And that's why I, I feel bad for her because look, they've invited her back. She said yes, yeah, so she has come back. So I guess that's her choice, and she's got to live with that. And she should know, like you're a returnee, that you're going to have a target on your back no matter what. Um, yeah, but I, I kind of wish. They should have just kept her for again. We don't know what season forty is going to hold hold out, and I know Ryan, our good friend Ryan Brink, he posted during the week on Twitter that he hopes season forty is actually a newbie season because he's been yes. over all these uh, survivors promoting himself. And, I, and I, I thought that was quite a good tweet because I I think there's so much posturing going on of former players trying to like yeah um, make themselves relevant again in the hopes of getting cast. And, yeah. Um, and, and yeah. I totally get his point. I think I, I totally hear what he's saying because you do feel like your Twitter feed or your Facebook feed is just full of um, this sort of self-promotion and stuff like that. But um, I just think Aubrey would have been maybe perfect just to have that little bit longer off and come back sort of next year or, you know, like season 40 or even... Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just think it's, like you said, maybe overexposure, maybe just too soon. I just... I don't know. And, and look, it must be... She is a modern survivor, um, one of the greats of modern survivor, if that makes sense. Kind of like Spencer. Oh, she's and... definitely popular. I, I get why yeah. they brought her back. I mean, she's... Yeah, same. She's and, a... like, I find her intelligent and articulate, and there's a lot of stuff I like about her. But I just, I don't know, like, when I see her playing the game and her interactions, I, I know you talked about this with T-Bird last week, and um, Rob's opinion was that, you know, that was a bit of an unfair edit to her because I'm sure... There's a lot of people that say similar stuff. But that, to me, I actually think that sums up why Aubrey just does seem a bit game body, disingenuous. And, like, like the I want to have a dialogue. Like, that seems so fake and a bit scripted to me. And, like, that's kind of the critique of the other players. They could see right through it. And I know, pe- and I know she was doing what you're supposed to do and, and trying to get people on side, but... Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't a fan of, of how she it was, yeah. said she wanted to go to tribal council. That wasn't smart. And, um, yeah. yeah. It was it was interesting you bring that up. And I remember Rob saying that as well, that maybe she kind of was a bit unfair. But and but it was fantastic editing. Uh, but I would say that 
mate. Like everyone has that, I guess, but um, you know, we'll probably have similar, you know, similar conversations with everyone if they're playing the game well. Yeah, especially socially. So I think Rob was sort of saying it's a bit unfair to sort of show that, make her look a, a bit silly when that probably happens every season with somebody. Yeah, uh, I, but having said that, I think yeah, you're right. I think she needed to change. Maybe the word mind. choice. Yeah, the word choice comes across a bit. I just, I really see myself in you, and to me, like, yes, definitely have those conversations with everyone. Get people on side. Do what you're supposed to do. That, but I feel like the way the conversation just seemed um, disingenuous. Like, and I think people yeah. could see through that. Well, and but also when people, when the, the new players share um, their information. If she's saying literally the same thing to everyone, they're going to pick up on that. Like, yeah, Julia and and Victoria talk and say, "Oh, she said, oh, you know, I like you and I see myself in you." And an open dialogue. And she's like, "Hang on, she said the exact same yeah. thing, like literally the same words." Then, then of course, then that's going to people are going to compare well, that's, notes. That's, yeah, that's a huge red flag. Whereas if Aubrey again said the same sort of things, but. I guess changed how she spoke, like looked at her audience that she was talking to and sort of hit certain different words yes. and, and things yeah. and actually showed maybe that she, I don't know, it's just like, I don't know, anytime like, you know, when I was a barista for many years, you have different people come in and order coffee. But again, you speak to people differently depending on your audience. And I mean, you, you read them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that was another fault of Aubrey that she's, the good thing is she's trying to talk to people and, and create these relationships, but maybe she just needed to have a better understanding on who she was talking to. And each. I think sometimes saying to someone directly, like, I think we're so alike. I mean, that should just be obvious without trying to force it. Like she's like, I see myself in you. Like if that's really the case, then you don't need to almost say, it. you just have that bond and it sort of goes without saying, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, problematic for me. I guess Aubrey is Aubrey's going to be a very interesting one to watch because I do still think she's a target, but now she has an idol. I do see her getting quite far as well. Oh, we get, so, we're probably jumping right, right uh, like way ahead, and it's just total speculation. But now that she's got an idol, she's ticked off her bucket list. Will she use it correctly? Uh, yeah, it is. It's hard. Hey, with this, that's what's um interesting now with the switch because we don't know who's going to be on who tribes. We do know there's going to be three tribes. What's your thoughts on that? Um, personally, I don't like it because it Same. costs me more money in buffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to go um, and buy it. Yeah, collect the... Oh. Yeah, but... Um, oh, yeah, any season now when they... they Four go buffs the, a season. The three, yeah, it's 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 a lot. It's I'd rather be doing three at the most or at least yep. knowing, you know, you're going to have three at the start or whatever. I think when the numbers are so small, I don't know. I don't like going to three tribes anymore. I don't mind starting three tribes. I just think, yeah. I don't know what is what is three tribes. What the fuck is that? Like, it, how many people are left in the game that aren't on uh, Edge of Extinction? So we've had three. Fifth, oh, so so it's five, three tribes of five. Yeah. I don't love it. Hey, and it's because I don't love it because we've seen it so much in recent years. Yeah, like, absolutely. For a while, I liked it, but. Too many. We still don't know where people sit with everyone else, and we and we don't know they're going to show Extinction Island, so that's screen time plus three other tribes. We're not going to know the dynamics on probably two of the other tribes, to be honest, really. Yeah. And there's so many people still that we have yet to really meet uh, in terms of their character this year. I uh, I just think you could be service the the dynamics with two tribes a lot better. Like I don't mind if they had to switch up the two tribes, but yeah. But leave it as two, yeah. I'm I'm pretty disappointed to be honest. I think so. that there's the the problem with Survivor now um, is they just something a twist can work and work well, and then I feel like they just go Beat to it the, the top. Yeah, they go too much. Like Cambodia, on, was Cambodia the first time they split from two to three? Yes. And I believe was, so. And that yeah. was fantastic. And they've had a couple of seasons since that it's worked pretty well. And no, I'm and I, oh, off the top of my head, I can't really remember. But I don't think they've done it every season since Cambodia. But like they did said, it in Millennials versus Gen X. I know, and I'm but, pretty sure they did it in yeah. Game Changers again. Yeah, but, and the other tri- and the other um, heroes, hustlers, and healers had three tribes to start with anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but they, sure, did they do it last season as well? 
David versus Goliath. Three tribes they did as well. Yeah. Two to three. So, it's just yeah, it's, too many. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's almost like a staple of the season now that you should expect going to three tribes. Yeah. But again, I, I just, I don't know. It's like, really, do we have to, it's almost too, it's just like having a tribe mix up. Like you kind of, there are the odd surprise. Like obviously, Edge Extinction is going to be the big surprise for everyone that's still in the game and they find out. But I just, some of these twi- kind of, yeah. Some of these twists become so uh, regular that the players know it too well, and I just think maybe you need to go back. I would have liked personally. I would have liked them to do the whole, um, you know, heroes versus villains or um, blood versus water type thing, where they sort of just keep the tribes for as long. I'd as be possible. happy enough with that too, and do an early merge if you had to. But maybe don't even do a switch. But I think the thing that pisses me off the most, and this is what Rob said, I believe, on it's like it makes you not really be invested in the whole part because none of it really matters now, the first part of the game for the other tribe, their relationships and, and what happened because it's all going to be reset anyway. So it kind of just like, it's hard to follow sometimes having three tribes and you can't remember like, were they previously with this person on this tribe when they emerged? Like you, you don't, it gets a bit too complicated. And I think now having Edge of Extinction, it's almost like a fourth tribe. Mm. So it's just too much. And um, yeah. Now, well, I, yeah. Personally, I don't like it. You obviously don't like it. I just think they should have. <laughs> I think they should have just left it be for a little bit. Or, or I didn't mind if they did a tribe swap now and just kept yeah. it as two. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I I just sometimes I think there's ways they can get back to old school survivor a little bit and and keep the tribes together. Like I know they don't want a straight pagonging, especially if a tribe looks like they're struggling. Yeah. But you even go back to say Philippines and. Was it Tandang dominated yeah. uh, the early part of the game, and it was Matt Singh obviously pretty much dissolved. And but then eventually Tandang had the strength. But then by the time they got to the merge, they sort of did fall apart. So it doesn't necessarily mean just because a tribe's strong in the pre-game or pre-merge that yeah. they necessarily go deep into the game. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm just and look, yeah. even Heroes and Villains is another good template where they didn't even do a switch there was no they need to have more faith to just let the the players fall where they do and stop trying to engineer so much i do feel like like yes have some advantages and idols but the amount that we've seen in recent years this is a whole other discussion but it does all stem from yeah there's too much shuffling the deck so to speak yeah and i do think um that's because the producers are just so fearful of a pagonging or or what we would say is predictable but I don't think letting things happen naturally is something to be said for that too. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so I think we're both on agreement that I think what would be good, like I know there's been talk and again, we're, this is a whole I guess, other discussion that's got nothing to really do with the episode per se, but, but it's, I, yeah. I think one of the arguments that Jeff keeps getting, say, on Twitter or social media and, and people want, and, and again, the old school fans like you, you, you and me, you know, some people have been talking about why can't you go back to a Borneo style thing? No idols, no this, blah blah blah. Let's go back to old school. And Jeff's argument always has been then then you're probably you taking the game's got to evolve and this and that, um, and you're taking it back. And I can see why they won't won't yeah. ever go back that far because then you will get a potential pagongi and and you probably need those you know idols in there to sort of change the game up enough yeah. or, or create enough uncertainty. Whereas if you had two tribes just go at it and then emerge, you, you're potentially going to have a boring season. Yeah, I think there's a good chance of just two tribes and um, nothing else, but somewhere but, in the middle. Yeah. But, but I don't see why they can't say, okay, we can still have the idols advantages hidden in the game that create the uncertainty and or sort of extra sort of different alliances or, or be able to flip, flip the game in the head. But why can't you just say, let's keep it at two tribes let them be very pro their tribe and and have strong bonds and let them fight it out to the merge. Like just yeah, if if it gets to the point where like say again Manu like assuming there was no swap next week, if they went back and they lost again, well so be it. But they so get to the it, merge yeah. and they don't have the numbers. But we've seen tribes go to the merge with low numbers and actually almost get to the end. Like you look at Samoa where Galu had the huge advantage, but. They were able, you know, Russell and Natalie were able to fracture that group. Yeah. And, you know, they, you know, three, uh, 
three foal foals get to the end? Like, how does that happen? You wouldn't think so on paper. It should never happen, but it does. So, uh, And I think nowadays, because people do want to make big moves and, and do interesting stuff, I don't think there's as much risk of, like, really solid alliances. Like, yeah, okay, they might have the numbers into the merge. and um, But in American Survivor, at least, I do feel like people want to shake shake it up um, after the merge. So, yeah, it's... um. Oh, we'll see where this season's going. I, I'm getting, I get a bit nervous now thinking about it because I've just said how much I've enjoyed these first three episodes. Like, I'm not putting it up there like David and Goliath, although I didn't think that was as great as everyone said. I did think it was good. Um, but I, the, 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 what's going to happen, with, there's so much unknown, so much unknown with Edge of Extinction too. So uh, it's kind of cool that we don't know. I like that in a way, um, but it makes me a little bit nervous as well. So we'll see. All right, so the, 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 one of the main, I say, sort of points of the whole episode was Wendy and the chicken. So Chris <laughs> is the star in that challenge, um, knocks down all the, uh, I guess, the posts or the, the targets, and they get a choice between comfort, comfort, and, comfort and, and chickens. And chickens. And I thought the obvious thing was the chickens. It was pretty obvious amongst the tribe it was going to be the chickens yeah they get the chickens um we come back and i guess we should also note that wendy did hurt her ankle and she was sort of in pain had to be helped up by chris i think it was chris and uh a few of the others up to the beach they put her down and all of a sudden it was almost like she was forgotten about are you are you okay yep yeah i'm good okay let's yeah it seems let's like we'll let have a moment talk, yeah. yeah let's talk about the chickens <laughs> and uh, i mean look what, what do you think i mean it did make me feel like going back to Kimmy Kappenberg in season yeah, two. Yeah, I, I thought that straight away. I was like, chickens and survival, like there's been a long history. Of, um, it's funny when you've had so many seasons, you're going to see eventually certain things come back up again. And I just thought it was like, I thought it was really enjoyable, all of that, but I thought it was stupid on her part. And I love her as a character. So I enjoyed it from the TV perspective, but I was just like, why are you going on about it like so much? And like, and then it was again, like, I just thought this is just really bad, really, really bad that you keep going about. I, I think she at least said, Oh, look, I know I'm a hypocrite. Like she, I don't know. Like, yeah. Crazy. She's crazy. Yeah. I, I couldn't understand any of the logic of it. Um, apart from maybe just, just, uh, What's the word I'm trying to think of? Maybe she was just a little bit bitter. She assumed she was going out. She's injured. She's probably emotionally not in a good space. But I just think, why? Why are you even doing this? Like, why dig your whole deep? If even if you think you're going, there's still always a chance. There's a bigger target or someone else they want to take out. Maybe like what happened, Wentworth or someone else. Like, why? Why give yourself? Why put put a more of a target on your back by agitating people with kind of like a bullshit reason for not killing chickens and stuff like it made, yeah it was like again, she's trying to stir that stir them up a bit um and, and, or she was in an argumentative kind of yeah. mood about it and i don't get where that came from maybe she was just real frustrated and and knew she was presumably going next um and, and, but the thing yeah. like even if you look at the kimmy argument and and that obviously was a big issue for the kucha tribe back in season two but the thing was kimmy was vegetarian Yes, and, and and had been a vegetarian for pretty much most of her life that I I can remember. Yeah, so she, there's there's no hypocrisy there. But was Wendy by her own admissions, you know, eats chicken nuggets and uh, eats, eats her, her pork home. and all that. Sort and of then stuff. she said that the chickens are, are treated better or something. At, like they were like. Oh, she she just kept arguing. I was like, fair enough to make the point. Like I don't want to see it being killed because I wouldn't particularly. I don't love seeing. Like, if I was on Survivor, I wouldn't want to be the one that kills the chicken. And I wouldn't really... I'd probably be like, oh, yuck, I can't see that. I don't know if I'd say that. But if you say that, fine. Like, you don't have to love it, but just drop it. Like, <laughs> she just kept going on about it. Yeah, and, and the other thing I've got to... I'll give a shout-out to Andrea Belke because I thought this same thing. And then when I went on Twitter after the episode, because as most people might not know... Um, when you and me podcast, it's a little bit after the episode, but obviously in Australia, we don't see the episode straight away unless I guess some people do it illegally. Um, yeah. so if you don't want to get sport, you stay away from, uh, Twitter and Facebook and all those social media sort of accounts, 
Otherwise, at least probably... for like a few hours, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I noticed uh, Andrea Belke did post um, something about Wendy going for that see your money. Um, <laughs> and and I, I thought the same thing too. It's like, because it seems so illogical that I'm like, is this just like a like oh well if I'm not going to win hopefully I'll get fifty grand from Sia for and does Sia give money every season now is that what's been happening I don't well, really like I don't know if she's given it every season but what did get noticed recently and I think again Rob reported on this maybe last week of the week before on one of the podcasts and I did or I did already see it on Twitter that Davy Rickenbacker did get Sia money after the season that so that was announced because of his love of animals and his love of sort of God or the fact that he, his mm. religious beliefs and all that sort of stuff, I, I believe. So, yeah, I remember hearing that too. So, so that's why I wasn't sure if she, if she just, if she likes a player, yeah. um, if she's giving it now or if there's someone every year, every season, but yeah, I think it's probably, obviously it's, it's her money. So it's probably at her discretion. And yes. It's not yeah. going to be it's not every, CBS endorsed or anything. Yeah. It's not going to be a necessarily an every season, but if there's someone she likes and they have good morals and stick to those, Morals and this and that. Well, and, I, and I, I hate point. if that's the case, and she—that's what she's doing. Potentially, it's smart on Wendy's part, but I hate the fact that that's influencing. Like, do you know what I mean? Something externally to the game is influencing what someone would do. Like, because that—it's bad for her game, but she doesn't really care. It's smart in a way because she probably knows she, it's very unlikely to win. So, if I can sort of get some money through this way, but I don't like that because then that's interfering. Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind yeah, of interfering yeah, yeah, with the game. Yeah, but it's and it's not genuine. It's it's <laughs> yes, that's it, right. A little bit, you know. Even going back to the early seasons of Survivor, that you can sort of see that some players, their decision making and or what they are saying, um, because they don't maybe want to look like a villain, is not always hundred percent. Yeah, from they're the trying heart, to be the good guy. Little, or... Yeah, it's a little bit disingenuous sometimes because they don't want to be painted as the villain whereas you know yeah, and at- to me that was me a little bit like um the Australian Survivor season with Lee um he was trying to be the good guy all the time and that was because he wanted you know the the good edit I, I guess and the yeah he has a bit of a profile yeah so, well I, you bring up an excellent point like I hadn't even thought of uh, I guess considered Australian Survivor, but definitely that first season, I think there was definitely people that talked about making big moves. And I mean, I know there was jokes about Sue's big move and that never happened <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. But I do feel like, you know, some players were restrained in what they said and did because they didn't want a bad air or they wanted to look like, like the good guy. Yeah. Like Whereas, yeah. you know, Flick and a couple of others at least were willing to make ballsy moves and maybe burn a few bridges by making these moves. But then, of course, got the, oh, she's a bitch and, oh, look at these mean girls. Mean and, uh, girls and all which, that, yeah. Which was still, like, really timid in this, this scheme or the universe of Survivor. But because they actually decided to make some moves and be a little bit bitchy, they got painted as a villain, which is ridiculous in itself. It but, is ridiculous. And that's because it was the first season and the maturity of the audience hadn't yet caught up to being celebrating people that are willing to play the game. It was more like playing honourable game and that's how we thought Survivor. It's it's it was just the the parallels to the early US seasons really, wasn't it? So yeah. but yeah, like that Wendy thing, man, like I don't know. And it's crazy. Like I can't believe that she actually hid the flint. I love the I love the drama. I love but we saw in the um thing for next week, like she's going to let the chickens free. <laughs> like, it's nuts. She's mad. Yeah, I personally <sighs> Yeah, I don't know what you do. Like, you would never hit a woman, obviously. But I mean, if that was a guy that did that, I'd be. If I was playing, I'd be so tempted to knock their block off. And, yeah, but and of course you can't do that because that's against the rules. And you would be. I don't know if anyone's ever done. Well, no one's ever done it that we know of and been expelled in a particular way. But as far as I know, the rules state that you can't uh, physically, or you know assault anyone so i wonder if that would be a straight up dismissal it's like jatea tipping the rice out but probably worse because you're lying about the fact that you did like you're trying to do it secretly like and um i, I do i saw someone tweet on twitter because that's where you tweet <laughs> is um what did they say if scott or jason um what scott pollard and um what was Jason's last name? I can't remember. But if they would Jason be the ones that did, yeah, we'd, we'd all be outraged. But because it's Wendy, there's a little bit of truth to that. Um, and I do think it's odd. Like, it kind of makes me mad that she's doing it 
for her own game because I like her. So I'm kind of conflicted. Like, like the the drama, I'm like, what are you doing? It's making me mad. It's it's unfair to other people too. So I I can't see if she's going to let the chickens out. How that's not going to come back to bite her at some way in the game. Um, I just don't think it's there's anything good about that. Um, but yeah, she uh, keeps it interesting. Well, we'll we'll talk about that more next week when that actually happens. But yes. um, I guess we're yeah, we don't know a... how it's going to happen yet. Yeah. That's right. But let's just say I think we're both on the same page and we don't like that. And yeah, <laughs> I think it's while it it makes maybe good television and it's great drama. I just I in the spirit of the game and you try whether you've liked what they've done. I just any of that sort of stuff. I I really don't like. I just yeah, I've never been a fan it. of people putting out the fire, no matter who it is. Um, I've never been a I didn't wasn't a fan of how she hid the flint. I do think she was lucky to get away this week, and let's let's go to that now, I suppose, because she survived. Um, yes, she's still in in it. Crazy. Um, I mean, what was, I should ask maybe what your thoughts were at the start of the episode because going in, you know, I do a power rankings. I still had her very low on the totem pole, but I actually thought to myself that if they did go back, I thought Kelly was definitely in trouble with the way David was talking last week and Rick. And I actually thought to myself, I don't think Wendy is the next target um, purely because he talked about Wendy being another number for him or another vote. Yeah. So I sort of thought to myself, well, it's going to be Kelly and then potentially someone else. Not too sure whether it was going to be Chris or War Dog or who else are we missing? Or is that the, the rest of the tribe? Yeah, basically. Or, 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 um... or then you've got Lauren as well. So, um, yeah, I, I was sort of thinking, I don't think Wendy's going to be in trouble here at all. So, I mean, did you think she was in trouble going in? See, I, I didn't really think that much about... I sort of thought maybe the other tribe was going to go to tribal this time, but I guess I should have known better. Um, <laughs> with Joe, it just seems... Yeah. So, yeah, I suppose... I, I do feel like, yeah, that was really promising with the um, with the Dave and um, Devons. I hate how he's called Devons now, but that's, I guess, what we're going with. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that she had that, but... Like, that's jeopardising now her relationship with them. Like, they're not going to, you know, put up with that kind of antics too much because that makes her a liability. So, I, I, re- I think my frustration comes from, like, we want well from her. And, um, yeah, like, it did boost her up a bit. I, I think um, the fact that it sort of shifted onto Chris was really interesting because Kelly, um, yeah, like, I just thought she was definitely going. And I think it's so interesting, Survivor, in some ways, I was kind of disappointed. Um, Chris was voted out because I thought he was a pretty likable guy and it seems like a bit unfair. Uh, what What do you think he did wrong? Well, that was that, that's Survivor, but... Um, yeah. yeah. No, no. Well, well, that's why I want to go through the sequence of events because it's really interesting. And, I mean, it goes to show how frenetic that sort of, you know, that day can be when you've lost a challenge and you're going to tribal and how quickly everything can change through just one Chinese whisper or not even Chinese whisper, a conversation and how quickly it can flip. Now, obviously, the first conversation we hear or that we see, and, and look, I know we sort of said we sort of try and piece it together and we can speculate, but I think the version that we saw on TV is probably fairly accurate to how it sort of played out Yeah, in that Rick and Dave are still talking about Wentworth and, and making that big move. Then they go and talk to Wendy, find out about the Flint, but, of course, the ulterior motive for David is to get her on board for getting rid of Kelly. So they've got three votes. Yep. Then they go to Chris to get the fourth to, to sort of seal the deal, and yep. he's sort of going, okay, yeah, I'm on board, but wants to talk to War Dog. And David explicitly says, I don't think that's a good idea. I understand why you want to tell him or... Bring him in, but I think they're too tight. And yeah, the irony, irony being that Chris still does it, and that's what seals his fate. Because yeah. what inherently happens is Chris throws it out there, and I, I, he's not aggressive about it. He's it's kind of like, oh, what are your thoughts? You know, maybe maybe Wentworth. You know, it's kind of a very just throw the name out, plant the seed with Wardog, and then Wardog goes to Kelly and says, uh, "Chris is going for you." Because as far as he knows, Chris is the only one that's mentioned a name. He knows nothing about. David and Rick bringing it up. And then, of course... It's just so weird because, like, it seemed like they were a tight pair. And, like, from Chris's perspective, like, he didn't want to alienate War Dog by voting uh, Kelly out when he didn't know about the plan. So he's like, you know, I'll just sort of, like, test the waters. Like, let you know, like, if I don't vote 
for Wendy like you're expecting, then there's a like at least I gave you kind of a heads up. And it's just like, wow, like he they were a tight pair, it seemed like it, but then Warlock just really just did the shifty on him. And I have to wonder why, like maybe they weren't as close as as what they thought, or maybe War Dogs just really wanted was closer to Kelly than what we saw as well. Yeah. Oh well, he's obviously closer to Kelly. I think he he sees her as the shield. But what was interesting, his argument about keeping Kelly last week was yeah very similar that Chris and him need a shield, and so I'm surprised he was happy to let Chris go. But again, I, I, obviously we don't see every conversation and everything that's being said, but. At, at some point, Chris has obviously never explained that the plan came from David and uh, Rick, which is... Yes. He, uh, well, that's, it's lucky for David and Rick in a way because they get off unscathed. Well, they got, exactly. They get off unscathed and that's probably why they've decided to go with that plan because that sort of kills the idea of that's where the whole Kelly plot came from. So I get yeah. from their point of view, I still think it was silly they didn't go through with the Cali thing anyway. They could have still gone through with it, yeah, though. Absolutely. That's what I sort of think. Like, why did they get so spooked? Like, who cares if War Dog knows that, like, they're going after Kelly? Like, what can he well, really do? But, do you know what I mean? But, but, I don't know why they didn't go with it, through with it, but here's what I, I think, and, and which is also smart on their behalf, is that if they go Kelly and Kelly goes, you're going to have War Dog and um, uh, Lauren upset. That they were kept, firstly kept out of a plan, but also yeah. they were tight with it. Whereas now they it got changed up. They get rid of Chris, but who's getting upset about that? Yeah, no one. that's no one. That's and, so al- great. and also, again, like I said, he's a witness to the the conversation. And as far as they know, he's gone. So they're sort of in the clear a little bit still. Like there's no blood on their hands about Kelly or, you know, about the Kelly plot. So yeah. they're clean. So I think that's the only logical reason why they've gone down that path which, again, oh. makes it seem like obviously there's conversations between David and Rick, or sorry, Devons, that we obviously haven't seen that would have been so interesting. And it just goes to show how smart those two are and that they've yeah, obviously they're... thought about every sort of every way it could go and, and what evidence they're leaving behind. So I think it was a smart move by them. But, again, Chris just, again, like un- unfit. Like he, he shouldn't said, have he... trusted War Dog, I suppose. And <clears throat> I mean, I don't think he did too much wrong. That's kind of what Stephen's argument was. And I mean, he, he probably, he just didn't, he just thought he, the main thing he did wrong was think he had a better relationship with War Dog than what he actually did. But not just that. And I, I think his main mistake too, though, was not telling War Dog that, oh, I've just had a conversation with Rick and, and David yeah. and they've brought up Kelly's name. Because at least then he's not to blame. And he's then, not seen as the one that engineering the plan, exactly. And then War Dog could turn around and say, okay, well, I know this, and then go to Kelly and say, Dave's after you. And then all of a sudden, Dave's on the hot seat. So, again, yeah. they, they, but having said all that, they wouldn't have had the numbers. So, I don't think they would have. Because, I mean, if Chris and the other three stick to their guns, even if that plot got brought up, Kelly still probably goes home, but... Uh, it's just... Yeah, I have to think for David, it's a bit of a shame because I, I liked the fact he was trying to get Kelly out for his game. I'm sort of happy that Kelly's still in because she's an interesting player and we're seeing a, a way more intense. She seems like when her back's against the wall, and it has been, like the fact that she survived these three votes is a little bit like, wow, pretty impressive to be honest. Like, um, So I don't know, I like that she's a fighter in that way. Um, yeah, so it's going to be, it's just going to be interesting now what happens with her. It's all reset again, I suppose. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think David can't trust Kelly and, and that's why he was going to get her out. And there's still no trust there. So yeah. it would have been kind of good to get rid of her now in a way, yeah. but who knows? I just think it's a bit sad. I, I would have loved to them at least work together a little bit longer and, and be on the same page before they started going at each other. Another interesting thing about that whole uh, thing is like it's Dave's talked about not trusting Callie, can't trust her, wants to get rid of her, but we've never heard Callie say she doesn't trust David. She's she yeah. has said probably once in she the said first I don't episode, trust anyone. Yeah, but yeah, but she hasn't. Again, we haven't seen her plot against David, and we haven't heard her say she doesn't trust David. So, and even by the... It's kind of good from his perspective that she has no idea that he was yeah. trying to engineer that. So yeah. it's also, like, it's definitely really interesting that um, 
yeah, it's it, you know, even when they came together and they were talking about, oh, we cool, we're going to get rid of Chris, whatever, or we're all on the same page. It clearly looked to me like she has no idea that Dave's been plotting against her and, again, she feels like she's in tight, maybe not tight with him, but at least in with him at this stage. So I guess it was just an anyone but me thing again too because when, when you look at it, I actually think that they are wildly speculating that like they're going to go to three tribes. Um, so they probably thought challenge strength of Chris doesn't really matter because we're going to be – you know, switched around anyway. So who cares if we vote him out? He was the most disposable in a way because he wasn't really in with anyone that much. Um, and so it just sort of fell that way when it when when it became him or Wentworth, when Wendy sort of... It's just funny how, like, these things just get turned around and that's why the episodes are so wildly unpredictable because the way the conversation moves and the target shifts... It starts the afternoon being Wendy and Wentworth um, and then Wendy's not even in the picture anymore. So, yeah, funny how he got into it. Didn't really see that coming. But it was, yeah, like obviously he was pretty cut um, when he got voted out and I'm glad he went to join Reem. And um, it's interesting because they've all got kind of relationships with each other. Like Wendy, uh, sorry, Reem has a relationship with Keith as the mum. And I feel like Chris is almost the big brother to Keith. Yeah, So they're all sort of like, um, there's a dynamic between the three of them, which I like. Um, Yeah, it'll be, who knows what we're going to see. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting um, how it plays out. Again, we can speculate as much as we like, but how these three tribes shake out. So I don't know. I just, again, yeah, yeah, like I'm with you. Like I, I was sort of shocked Chris was the one, but again, on reflection, I think it was probably the smart choice from David and Devons to go down that path. How it got to Chris, it was probably unfair, but again, he's the flight. But Survivor's not fair, as you said. No, it's, and it's, it's not fair, but yeah. I think, like, on closer analysis, I mean, it's clearly the flow of information, and, and he was the man in the middle. Um, yeah. And then, of course, if he gets information and he passes on to someone else that he trusts, but he, I guess, gives misinformation or information that's not uh, – well, it was, it was real information, but I guess he didn't give the full picture that he actually signed his own death warrant. So Yeah, and I think it's, it's – um, I haven't seen too much criticism of Chris. I haven't seen too much of the conversation about what he did wrong, but I instinctively – like, of course, you can always find something, but I don't really think he did too much wrong at all. Um, sometimes that's just the way things – of course, you, we an analyse and you can always find something, but – that's just the way it goes on Survivor sometimes. Like if you sort of – it falls where it does If and for War Dog just decided maybe because last week he didn't like the fact Chris wanted to get Kelly. He's like, you know what, if he's going to keep going after her, uh, that just makes me not really feel like I can work with him. So this is – yeah, this is the guy that keeps kind of wanting to get out one of my allies. Um, yeah. I don't know. War Dogs show himself to be ruthless, though, for sure. And that's fine. Yeah, um, speaking of War Dog, yeah, I think he's had another good week. I think he's had an influence on the vote and at least shifting the vote. Yeah. As far as we can see. I mean, having said that, like, he, he can't totally, I mean, he can plant the seed and put it out there, but I guess it's up to Devons and uh, Dave to make the call or their votes, you know, go a certain way to make it happen. But I think. It's been shown that, you know, War Dog, while not, maybe not being aggressively pursuing things, he's he's listened to some plans and gone, mm, I don't really like that. Maybe what are your thoughts on this plan? And, and Yes, he's definitely influential. <clears throat> yeah. So um, have you got a sort of a player of the week? Player of the week? Ah, Is there anyone, like I know we've just talked mainly about the Manu tribe, but I'm just trying to think if there's anyone on the – the Karma tribe that did well this week. We just didn't see enough apart from Aubrey. We saw a little bit of Victoria uh, putting a foot in it in a way. Um, I don't know. Uh, Player of the week. Who have you got? Because I I actually can't think of anyone that impressive. I was kind of almost going to say, I picked Wardog last week and then I did again see on social media several several people had Wardog as their Player of the week and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm, yeah, at least you go, oh, well, at least I'm on the same wavelength as other uh, Survivor followers slash uh, 
critics. Um, but then sometimes you go, oh, I want to sort of pick someone different. That's yeah, not... I'm kind of like that. But... I was like, I don't want to pick him, but like, who else is there to pick? Not really. Well, I think anyone jumps someone out. We t- do they? Someone we talked about already a lot this episode, and we're probably both not super high on. But you might have to give it a little bit to Aubrey. She's no, she was under the pump. She goes and finds an idol, um, and I thought she was good in that challenge when they were behind. She was yes. pretty important in, the, especially putting the spokes in the wheel. Um, yeah, she, she was good she, at the puzzles. She was on that yeah. puzzle portion of the game on it, so. I mean, she's turned herself a lot around from what we saw last week. So yeah, that's that's definitely. Um, sorry, a bit of dog bark in the background there. Um, yeah, that's definitely in her favour. So yeah, she she had a good week for sure. Yeah. All right. So I guess if you got anything else, or no, that pretty much sums it up. Because looking forward, um, Wendy, how how's she going to go? Um, I reckon it's good for her that there's a tribe swap. Definitely, that benefits her. There's so many people. Like, we don't know um, Eric. We don't know much about Gavin. We don't know much about Julia or Julie. Uh, Aurora was maybe in trouble. But, yeah, there's so many people on that tribe. Um, So let's hope that we get a bit more from them. But it's hard to really care that much about those players so far because we haven't seen much as well. So I'm sort of more interested in um, how Kelly's going to go now. I think it's ultimately good for her that there's a tribe swap. Um, it could be a bit of a saving grace for Joe as well. Um, yeah, so I think for the returnees, a tribe swap's all pretty much going to be a good thing, but we just don't know um, based on those six on the other tribe. If their, their theory, if they're still with each other a lot, if, sorry, if a lot of them are still kept together with the swap, I reckon their theory is still going to be let's just vote out the returnees. So, yeah, who knows where it falls. All right, so in sort of finishing up, something we haven't really done too much in the early episodes is just how people can contact us or talk survive with us, follow us. Um, where can people follow you on Instagram, Twitter, or what social media have you got, Julian, that you want? So our chat survivor mostly on Twitter. So give me a follow. I'd love a, love a follow. It's at uh, Julian Gronenberg. It's a bit of a mouthful. Um, but if you type it in, I think you'll find me. It, uh, Gronenberg starts with G, so G-R-O-N, uh, and then you'll see me. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and people can follow me at cable underscore unplugged, which is the name of, I guess, this a, uh, this podcast at the moment. Um, and We've also got a Facebook page too. I was going to say, yes, thanks for bringing that up. Um, as of today or as of recording, we've set up a page. Um, again, it's... Obviously, brand spanking you. Um, Give us a sympathy follow. We need them. Yes, we need them. We need to build up. I mean, it's a good way to just follow us and make sure you don't miss out on a podcast as well. I'm still trying to work out this podcast thing and get it on to iTunes, which I was told I would be able to. But you can follow us through Anchor, which is uh, the app that we use to record. Uh, and Spotify is definitely on there as well. You can sort of sus- I can't even get the word out. Subscribe to subscribe to yeah to Cable Unplugged. You can follow me on Cable Unplugged, uh, like I said on Twitter, and yeah, get on the uh, Facebook page. Um, You can give a comment, a like, feedback. That'd be greatly appreciated. Um, There's a couple of things coming up in the next couple of weeks that me and Julian have maybe maybe toy with having a guest on potentially, and hopefully that would a third person would be if we go down that path would be someone that has had survivor experience. We won't announce who just yet, but um, something that we're looking into and maybe people would want to hear that as well. So, um, yeah, so look, again, we'd love to hear the feedback, positive and negative, because we want to get better and we want um, also questions. If you watch the episode, you really want a question answered, flick it our way and hopefully... And let me know if I'm wrong on Aubrey. Am I being too harsh? Because I feel like... I may be a bit harsh on her, but she's just, yeah, like what what are people thinking about Aubrey? Am I being just completely unfair because she's done well, but I just can't celebrate her? Um, yeah, that, that's look, that is an interesting question. I think maybe it's even the edit. I mean, maybe it's not that you're being unfair. It's just what they show us is comes off a bit whiny and, and whatever when that's... Maybe well, maybe it's, it's interesting because everyone reacts in Survivor so differently to people. Like you just, it, that's what, Yes, you you get a read of someone so differently. So yeah, I'd be interested to see what people think of the episode, and um and Aubrey, yeah. 
All right. Thanks, Julian, for jumping on board this week. It's I know yep. it's a downgrade from T Bird, but um I still appreciate it. <laughs> you gotta yeah, gotta love T Bird. You gotta have the uh, actual name. So yeah, thanks, Cable. Look forward to chatting again with you about Survivor. Awesome. Cheers. So something I really wanted to talk about that I thought was a really cool uh, part of the episode that we forgot to talk about. Um, we was, teased it, though, but we, we forgot to come yeah, back to it. Love a good tease, don't we? But uh, <laughs> and this is what happens with Survivor. There's so much to talk about. You can get off on a tangent and forget to come back to something. So one of the really cool things with the Flint going missing, for the super fans out there that would know, Kelly was in a season with a missing Flint already in her first season, San Juan del Sur, and they had to go and exchange or make a trade with Jeff and pretty much give up everything to get a new Flint. So obviously losing a Flint is not something Kelly likes doing, and she was obviously having major flashbacks when this happened. Can you do this thing? Yeah, I got to find my Flint. Where's the Flint? Um, Flint's on the... Yeah, I didn't see it there. Don't do it to me, y'all. Don't do it to me. Do we have a food spot? Yeah, it's I'm supposed to go there. Dude, I was the last one that started it. And it was in this area. Right here? Okay, so you think you left it here somewhere? I did not touch it from here, yeah. Oh, it's uh, classic. It's a cool. don't do it to me, the don't. And I was just like, and I, I read that kind of wrong um, because when I was watching the episode, I didn't make that connection cable. And I read it quite wrong. I was just like, oh, she's just so like cranky seeming and angry. Like, don't do it to me. It's just like, and um, obviously you can't see her facials, but. She just had that really angry sort of thin-lipped, um, just tense face. But even and... when she puts, puts her hands in her, he- um, her head in her hands kind of thing as well. Like, I mean, obviously the soundbite's pretty cool, but, I mean, the, you need the visual as well. And, yeah. yeah. We've just got a lot of – I think we're getting a different side of Kelly this season. And it's um, – I'm not going to say villainous, but it's um, – she's under, under the pump and she's – I think she's just frustrated and, and feels like her back against her wall. So she's – um, yeah, she, she definitely seems like she's um, uptight and intense. So uh, that was a good pickup. San Juan del Sur, Flint memories. And we're done. <laughs>